0: but we're live with Julie Kratz, and we were just talking about when something doesn't go well, it's very difficult to have a positive attitude, I would say, about it. And when you want to control the situations, it sounds like your situation right now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it is. I think, you know, it's easy for people to say, oh, it could be worse. Oh, at least yeah. you have this. Uh, it's great. You get to travel. Um But it's frustrating. It's frustrating when things don't go the way you had in your mind. Yeah. Um, And letting go of that and being a free spirit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's interesting? I was just having this conversation that it's very easy to front run. So I mean, by like, if you're you're winning a race or your record is 10 and 2 on whatever it is, it's very easy to feel good about it. It's like no effort. To try it's like, oh we're doing great i mean mm-hmm. but if you're two and ten or you're behind it's very difficult to feel good about it and to be positive
1: you know? yeah well it's your own ego that you want to protect i mean people yeah. want to believe they're in control they're the winner that things um are working out and when they're not yeah it, it's uh that self-protection yeah. kicks in
0: <laughs> yeah So, you know, we had a, uh, for people who are listening, going to listen. So Julie and I had a conversation before this offline. It was, it was lovely. It was amazing. Julie's an awesome person. But we never, we didn't actually talk about diversity point on there, which is funny. We never talked anything about it. I talk about that.
1: I talk about it all the time. I
0: I didn't talk anything (laughs) about that with you. (laughs) I was
1: just like, Hey, let's get to know each other as humans, which it's humans. the core—that's what diversity work is really about: getting and appreciating the differences that we all have. Yeah. Um. But obviously, there's way more to it than that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, well, how did you come towards this, this idea of a diversity point, and you know, appreciating humans? Like, where did that come <laughs> from for you? I mean, so you don't always appreciate humans, man. Yeah, like,
1: uh, well, you'd like to think most people do, but uh, it's easy to find ones
0: that don't. I know it's not always know. common, you know. It's like,
1: there's too much going on in the news cycle to prove right, that yeah. point. But yeah, I mean, it, it goes back to my eight year old inner child. Mm, okay. <laughs> I just remember, I mean, in all seriousness, it was what, like 1990. And I'm at my babysitter's house, you know, because we're the latchkey ch- kid generation and i remember a young boy told a really sexist fable i won't even call it a joke because it wasn't funny and everyone was like oh my gosh yeah women can't be doctors and like i just remember this whole rush came over my Mm. body like what yes we can my mom said we can do anything Like this boy (laughs) is not right
2: yeah
1: and um i think it just lit a fire that day and then you know once you at eight years old, you can't quite process what you want to do for a, a living or yeah. what that's going to look like. But I really manifested that was my first real experience with inequity or realizing the world wasn't equal as I had been told. And then you know, in our corporate America, it becomes really obvious. Mm-hmm. There was no one like me ever in meetings. And I'm a white straight cisgender uh you know non-disabled woman so i really don't have a lot of disadvantages yeah by those dimensions but being the only woman people talking down to you people asking to take notes uh, being like overlooked for promotions like oh julie doesn't want to be promoted right now she's really busy you know she's <laughs> it's just pregnant you know, like what? wow <laughs> thanks Come for on. making that decision for me yeah thank you So that was 12 years into corporate, and enough was enough. And uh, and for a lot of women, we're seeing this right now, with the caregiving crisis. For me, I had a one-year-old at the time, and I was getting on airplanes doing things I hated and not seeing her, and the world was passing me by, and it's like, enough is enough. What if I could be a part of solving this problem? So that was eight years ago, and uh, the diversity world has changed significantly. I mean, that's an
0: understatement. I mean...
1: Thankfully, I especially mean, in the last me? two years. I yeah.
0: I mean, it's been very different. Now here's a question, though, with that is in our good intentions for diversity. You see, this is where I come from. I'm, I'm not going to give you the regular layup stuff. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the other side of it, that while it's great we're getting there, at what point is it maybe, how do I say this, overboard, or it becomes overly righteous about it? That it actually becomes negative to a certain population of people.
1: Oh, uh, we're there. I mean, it's so polarized. Okay, wait
0: a just say it. You just had to say that. Just come on. <laughs> like, we're we're there.
1: already there, unfortunately. Explain I mean, that. There's two camps, pretty much, of people. And this I work globally, so, but here in the US, I think it's really easy to see, but globally you can see it too. There's one camp that says, um, just what you just said, this is enough. Like what? jamming this down my throat yeah. like i get it like we're diverse we're inclusive like no problem here like stop it bringing politics into work you know it's my religious beliefs are in question with it. just weird stuff yeah and then you have like the pendulum swings the complete opposite direction and it's no we're not better off than we were a few years ago uh representation yeah. numbers aren't much better uh we're definitely not seeing the leadership numbers change it's very sticky um, pay gap still exists. Uh, women are exiting the workforce at much higher rates than men. People of color are still being discriminated against and don't want to go back into the workplace. So it's like, how can you pretend there's not a problem when yeah. anybody that experiences those things, it's very obvious, it's a problem to them. So unfortunately, you have two very polarized belief systems and where i try to come at it is this magic middle you know, the murky middle 90 i think of the conversation needs to happen somewhere in between those extremes where yes you can have your values your beliefs no one's asking you to change those we are asking you to respect other people's values and beliefs and that's not just in the workplace but like as, as a human in general uh, that's an expectation and i think employers especially are in are, are an advantage point to help make that, facilitate and make that happen. Um, so you have that middle ground that if we just spoke to you, and said, yeah, the, the problem is not getting better. Let's be clear about that and have our organization focus on specific outcomes. Like we are going to increase representation at all levels, not just front lines. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to measure the perception of inclusion and hope that it gets, not hope, but expect it to get better over time. They start to create some accountability, but without those goals, those metrics, it's just a lot of talking at people. Um, yeah. And I'm the smiling face that does that a lot. So I know <laughs> I'm part of the problem. But Sometimes that's what people think they want. And it's like, yes. And you need to do more work than that. It's not a one and done, check the box.
0: Yeah. This whole topic is so fascinating to me as a, uh, as a black person. Mm-hmm. And um, because I, you know, this whole, let me put it this way. So after like the George Floyd murder, a lot of white people contacted me and they're like, I had no clue. Teach me, educate me. I remember this happened. This, and I was like, man, like, where was this? Where has this been? <laughs> <I'm>
1: like, <laughs> like, how did you not know that? Why like, is this
0: my responsibility? Right. Like, you know, but then let's swing the pendulum. I was doing a podcast episode with a person I think is awesome. But then they were like almost ashamed to be white. And they were like, oh, I just hate white people. I'm like, you're white. I'm like, and so it's like, I'm like, what's happening here? Like, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. It's so f- confusing sometimes.
1: It really is. It is interesting. And the the shame yeah. sometimes that comes with whiteness. Um, it by no means is this a comparison to sure. what it feels like to be microaggressed and as people of color, but. And there is a shame piece. I, I, I know I feel it. And it's like, I wish I wasn't. but I can't change it. And then you're like, well, I do have a lot of privilege that goes with my skin color. Yeah. So hmm, do I really want to park all those advantages? Yes, um, I would gladly do so. But obviously, I can't change that about myself. And so there's this reluctance to accept that race plays a huge role in our lives like we yeah. want to think that it doesn't because it shouldn't it's a pigment of our right. skin it really shouldn't we created this whole thing right but it does dictate like experiences it dictates everything from your access to housing to food to education to wealth yeah. um to how your children experience the world so we can't pretend it doesn't happen. But back to what you said about George Floyd. I mean, people came out of the woodwork. It was crazy. I, I couldn't believe it. Like when I saw it, my, my husband watched the video. I will never forget. I was yeah. newly pregnant. My husband pulls up the video. I was like, I am not looking at that. Like I am not watching. Yeah. it. I still haven't. And that's a, a privilege that I don't, chose not to. But he's like, oh my God, I can't believe it. And I was like, what can't you believe that this stuff happens all the time? All the time. And I I didn't mean to be nonchalant about it. It's awful. It's awful. But I couldn't believe people were so surprised because it's incredibly commonplace and it still is today. And then, yeah, you had all these white people responding in really weird ways. Like, yeah, I have my one black friend. They'll educate me. Like, what? (laughs) Read a book. Stop it. Well, do better crazy <laughs> don't yeah. don't ex- don't place the burden of your education on someone else <laughs> especially when there's a ton of resources so i had no. my phone blowing up from people like what do i do i want to do something like, yeah okay here's some ideas you need to like own this and figure this out on your own i cannot be your accountability no. partner in <laughs> this like do the work <laughs> But now we have the fatigue factor. Now we have people that are like, oh, that was so hard. I'm done. Like, Well, that's, again, if you can leave the conversation, then that says a lot about the advantages that you have to be able to do that. For many people, they can't ignore these things because it affects their livelihood.
0: It's just so strange conversation sometimes. I mean, it's just like, and then I was just almost this war on wokeness. It's like this pendulum swings so far. And it makes me just think of a larger question. Why can't we be more of a reasonable society about things? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we tend to just, we tend to like go to extremism on a lot of thoughts and ideas, but never the, maybe the obvious, which is like, maybe I'll look at things on a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're like offended by that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, like well why can't we just be reasonable oh no you can't be reasonable we gotta pick this thing you know it's like
1: yeah and it's it has a lot to do with how we're raised yeah so for you know most gen xers you know kind of in your late 30s 40s the color blindness narrative was spoon-fed to us growing yeah. up, right we don't see color. we treat yeah. everyone equally i mean i bought into that shit and then you're in the workforce and you don't see any people of color yeah. in higher paid jobs. And you're like, hmm, maybe that also wasn't true. Right. And so I, that cognitive dissonance of having to unlearn something and then learn something new is actually really incredibly difficult for our it brains is. to do our brains, like patterns and predictability and categories and associations. So when you disrupt that, it actually causes like a lot of work to have to happen. Yes. So for people that are like, oh, I can't do it. It's just too much. Like there is some truth to that. Sure. And again, do the work, like embrace paradox, like the both and. Yes, you could be a good person and also make a mistake. Yes.
2: You know,
1: you could be a good person and be of a different political party. Uh, you could be a good person and not believe in something I believe in. Like yeah. the duality is possible, but the duality. Don't. We just want to write people off like oh well they said that one time so i'm done with them i had that happen to me on social media this week and it was just really painful because no matter what i could say or do it was not enough it was i was
2: mm.
1: in these people's minds i had made a mistake i even if i apologized it wasn't good enough and we're, you're no longer you know someone i want to respect is the message yeah. i got and hey i i did make a mistake and i owned it but it it feels like we're in a place in our culture right now where no matter what you do, you're you're risk that right off.
0: Yeah, I mean the I, I'm you know I'm holding on to this duality phrase here. It's interesting, and I was watching this um, documentary, The Val. It's about the Nexium sex cult thing. It's it's very interesting. It's like incredible, but it's it's essentially. One of the main people in it who uh, was sentenced to jail, but had a lot of remorse Mm -hmm. about her role in it, you know, and still seeing other people who are still like caught up in it in some level. Mm -hmm. And she made this great analogy because essentially it's like, well, like if you think I've been in the ocean and nothing bad has ever happened to me in the ocean. So therefore, nothing bad could ever happen to you in the ocean. Yeah. Right. And this is what's happening is it's like, well, I'm into this, so I don't know why you're having a bad experience. How could you be having a bad experience? I've never had a bad experience. But like, but yeah, you can have both a good experience in this area and also bad things can be happening in that same area. You just may have not witnessed that yourself for yeah. that. We're struggling yeah. with that, I think, yep. in our society.
1: It's um, two terms that come to mind. is <laughs> lived experience. If you mm-hmm. haven't had the lived experience yourself, it's you need to empathize and understand. Even if it didn't happen to you, it's possible it happened Could to somebody happen. else. Yeah, <laughs> and and two, like how people react sometimes to different lived experiences, like, well, what were you doing? Oh, were you doing? Were you there? <laughs> oh, someone would never say that to me. And it's like, what? Like, you not believe what I'm telling you to be true. <laughs> like, when someone shares something hard, believe them.
0: Believe them. Yeah.
1: Listen to them, and park your own. <laughs> experiences on the sideline for a few minutes because it's not about you
0: yes yes that's it's just it just feels like that idea is getting lost more and more it's like these two things can exist at the same time they really can (laughs) like
1: yeah and it's we know that for democracy to work which i'd like to think we're all on the same page i mean i hope so who knows who knows For democracy to work, we have to listen to different perspectives. Yeah, like we have to wrestle with different perspectives, and we've created just this again these vacuums that are just hard trenched. And yeah. it's gonna be really hard to solve problems together if we don't if we're unwilling to listen to somebody that has a different perspective than we do.
0: But do you see do you see that in your own life that that's a pervasive thing this kind of silo mentality or is it much different than what you then The narrative, the national narrative, different than your personal narrative. What you're saying?
1: (laughs) Well, I live in Indiana, so.
0: (laughs) Okay, let's just stop. You're in Mike Pence's country. I'm (laughs) sorry.
1: People do that, like, oh wow, you're like we're all evil people or something. No, no. So who's your
0: state? Come on.
1: Live in a city, so there's a lot of progressive thinking. Of course, it's just. It's interesting how you can fall into these buckets yourself. I mean, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that sometimes because it's like, oh, shoot, they're going to think I'm... And
0: don't you say know. you're from Indiana. Don't
1: do it. Uh, then I compare notes with my friends and people in my community. Look, like, these are very open-minded yeah. people that have similar values to me. So it's it's not as simple as that label, that category. Yeah. But yeah. No, I experienced it. I mean, you know, come election time, A uh, quick, funny story, not funny, kind of. But um, this past election cycle, uh, diversity was literally on the ballot for our school board. And it's a big thing in a lot of- Like in um, what ser- way?
0: What do you mean? like?
1: So the school board um, opens up a few positions every midterm election. And so for our community, three spots were open. And they ran on slaves of candidates because it's hard to finance. You know. There was one that was overtly pro-diversity- and inclusion in our schools and it was one that was overtly not anti-diversity and equity and inclusion in our schools i mean that was the platforms they ran yeah on. so i volunteered to um support the pro diversity group had the t-shirt you know, stood outside 50 feet from the entrance and lo and behold i arrive, and there's somebody from the anti-diversity movement standing there that i have to stand with for three hours so somebody that completely does not believe in what I believe in and this yeah. is very core to my values How, you don't mess with my kids like you can mess with me but like you're going after my kids now like shit's getting real yeah so this guy um older gentleman <laughs> didn't have kids in school but it's nice kids- of
0: you to say it that way
1: <laughs> why do you care if your kids aren't in school but anyway so, the first hour, you know, it's like small talk weather, it's gonna, you know, getting to know each other, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I was like, oh God, I gotta take a walk. I can't handle this. It's just like frustrating. So, I, as I'm leaving, he's like, well, where do you want me to put your pro democratic literature? What if somebody wants it? And I was like, what? This isn't, this is non partisan.
2: <laughs> so yeah.
1: It's not supposed to be partisan at all. And that's what I said to him. And I just walked away, come back, and I was like, all right, I'll bite. It's like, tell me about your platform. (laughs) It was fascinating, like fascinating to hear him explain his perspective, one that I disagreed with everything that he said, but the way he said it, he sounds so matter-of-fact and convinced by parents' rights and test scores over human skills and keep this political stuff out of our kids' minds. And... Asked a few questions, got to know his stance on other things, which is also things I disagreed with.
0: Well, that should not be a surprise, probably.
1: <laughs> I wasn't expecting him not to support people that I find terrible human beings. But the third hour is where I was like, got nothing to lose. It's like, hey, do you want to hear my perspective? Because he didn't return the favor and ask me. It's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, okay, well, I believe that. Our kids are entering, they will be entering a workforce that is globally diverse and not teaching about different cultures and different types of people is doing them a disservice. Like they need that education to be viable in a workplace that's going to have tons of diversity. And he looks at me, he's like, I hadn't thought about it that way. Hmm. I mean, it was a real light bulb moment. And didn't change any minds that day, but planted a couple seeds and then we had actually a pretty productive back and forth about, you know, other political issues and, you know, everything from like abortion to healthcare. And he actually, he looked at me at the end of the day. He's like, I just haven't met someone like you before. I was like, Oh, bingo.
0: That's what it is.
1: We're not talking to each other anymore. That's what it and is. what if these types of interactions could happen more often? Wouldn't we all be better? Cause I mean, he had he an interesting thoughts on things I, again. It wasn't about us agreeing or who was right and who was wrong. The debate wasn't going to work. No one was going to change minds that day. But I do think you can plant seeds with people when you listen yeah. to them. And if only we listen to each other more, we might find more middle ground, the difference.
0: I think I think you're so right. I, there's a lot to chew on there. There's like a lot to chew on there. It's kind of like, I remember one time uh, a couple years ago, um, I was – my, it was the first session with one of my clients. And I said, well, what are some things that, you know, really like hot button topics for you? Just, you know, just curious and she, organized religion. I hate it. I hate all of it. And uh, I just think it's bad for people. I said, well, what if I told you that I've had a good experience with organized religion majority of my life? She said, really that could happen. <laughs> I was like, I was like,
1: you never met someone. Yeah, like you don't before. see
0: because if you just only talk to people who agree about that, it's like both things can be. I mean, there could be true again. You could be there. I agree. There are a lot of bad things about organized religion, but there's also a lot of good things too. And some people have great experiences like I have had. It doesn't mean that it's all bad. Mm-hmm. And that gentleman you talked to, he just never talked to someone like you. He like never see He never talked to someone like you. Never. Like, ever Never. it wouldn't even cross his mind no you know?
1: i mean it it is the ego, it, the way to protect yourself and insulate yourself with what confirmation bias what you already know to be true yeah. and our brain loves this this is why you know, we only listen to certain news stations and mm-hmm. we only like certain types of movies like our brain loves that confirmation yes. and so by shielding out alternative <laughs> thoughts and <Yeah>. facts <laughs>
0: alternative facts as it i
1: didn't say i said alternative (laughs) (laughs) Facts, facts. tuning out facts in general yes you know you're really closing off a a part of growth a part of learning and i don't think we've been this way for very long like Mm. my hope is we can find our way back because I remember growing up when we debated hot topics and yeah. you went, I went to the polls to vote with my mother in year 2000 when I turned 18, she voted one way. I voted another way. And we had dinner afterwards. It was Course. no big deal. My husband and I did the same thing in 2012, but 2016 just changed, changed so much, right? We yeah. don't even need to, we don't even need <laughs> to say, you're
0: not going to give that any airtime, Julie. No. no, I think we all know there was an inflection point. Yes. We all know about the inflection point. Okay.
1: So, six years later, I mean, we've got to be able to find our way back to a healthy place where we don't have to sideline people and cancel people. Um, egregious, you know, really harmful behavior, of course. Right. Sure. But for people that make a mistake and bumble and stumble, like, can't we try to find something? Yeah. Like- a nudge towards yeah. them instead of like this like withdrawal from them
0: yeah i canceling thing i don't really understand that much um, it's just because it's like don't people love a comeback story they generally like redemption but if you don't allow redemption or you don't allow forgiveness then you're damning the thing that you, th- you say you love the great comeback story the rudies of the world the failures from from worst to first Type of thing. I if we can't allow a worst to first to happen, then what do you have at that point?
1: Yeah. Well, and that's the story of America was right. built off of the underdog story, right? That was our inception. Yes. And in reality, we didn't create an equitable society. Um we for still do sure. one. For not. sure. Yeah. But I mean, people do appreciate that's actually in other cultures, the underdog story isn't nearly as compelling that's as right. it is here. That's right that's part of our strength. That's part of that, even though it's the myth of meritocracy, but the fact that we can pull ourselves up and, you know, someone like me that came from very humble beginnings can run a very successful business and create generational wealth within one generation. I mean, that's still possible here, which gives me hope for people. But unfortunately we have systems that keep you know, make that much more difficult yeah. for other people too. So I, I recognize my privilege in that, but it still gives me hope.
0: <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's a a simple yet hard question. Why is skin color so divisive to people?
1: I mean, no one wants to think about slavery. No one wants to think they would have mm. been complicit with it. Right? Like, what if I was born in those times? Like, what would have I done? Like, what would I have really done? I think everyone wants to think I would have never. But no look way. At how many people did? How many people went along with it?
0: Yeah. You probably would have gone along with it. I'm serious. Like, I, how I'd do you like know you I wouldn't? Mean, you, you're talking about your version of yourself now in this era and this time. Mm-hmm. But the story of slavery is also incomplete because slavery is not, in, is not doesn't have like a foothold in America, just America. It does I've been yeah. slaves forever. Black people have put people into slavery too. Right. Yep. Okay. That's. It's just all I'm saying is it's it's been a pervasive thing throughout humans' history, dominating other people who are different than they are. Of course, in America's story, I mean, it's it's bad everywhere, but it feels it's like, man, you 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 get a two people out of start at a, it started a certain place, and you essentially fucked one side of it really hard. Right. And there's people who just don't yep. want to believe that that's true. But it is true. <laughs> it's like we have to come to this reality, but it doesn't mean that you're bad because it's true.
1: Right. Right. right? It is, but
0: it's, it's a reality.
1: And I think that it's a shame trigger for people. Right. right. Well, like, so I didn't work hard for what I have. Like you're telling me if my skin color was different, my life would be different. And that goes, I've seen it happen from all races, mm-hmm. this, just wanting to make that problem go away, like yeah. no, that's not what's affecting me, or that's not what's um, contributing my success or lack of success. You know, I I got through on my own merits, you know, and that's very in our DNA as yeah. Americans. We're taught that from a very young age: the work hard, it'll pay off. Uh, yes yeah. Well, yeah. So I think there's part <laughs> of that too, and I think maybe if we're being really honest here too, I think for white people where white people go, if we do have equality, right, then I have to give something. up. Yeah. I mean, really, if, if equity does mean that redistributing resources right. to the people that need it the most. So if you have a lot, you should probably share. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Other people see it as a zero sum game. We're like, now I have to give up something that I've earned and I think there's also, for being really honest, a fear from white people about revenge. They mm. <laughs> come in power. I mean...
0: Yeah, I think that's a fear. Really up, like, I feel like it's unfounded, but I think it's definitely a fear that I've seen, yeah.
1: It's like, well, look at what we did when we had power, right? right? What if it's weaponized the same way we did? I mean, Yeah. obviously that's a false narrative, and I don't believe totally that, false. But it but these fears these um unnatural fears is what prevents us from having a productive conversation because even talking to you and I talk about this stuff all the time you get a little sweaty you get a little nervous yeah. like oh yeah. shoot, am I allowed to say that am I yeah. allowed to say that are people gonna hate me who yeah. am I gonna take off now so it feels easier just to be like no no let I don't want to let me hide
0: I'm mean, no hiding at, here, Julie. There's no hiding in this conversation.
1: I'm hanging out with friends on a Saturday night, and I get wound up, and my husband's like, no, no, we're not doing this tonight. Like, sure, we are. have to stay <laughs> away from this conversation. And I'm like, why? It's hard to turn the switch off.
2: <laughs> why?
1: <laughs> like, I really want to know what they think about this, though. Yeah. I really want to know. And it's just, I think, once you lean in, you get curious, and you realize the more conversations you have, the more it improves your thinking. Yes, it your curiosity, it improves my creativity, it improves like just my ability to read situations. Yeah, like that's a huge advantage that I get from doing this work, and I'm not scared anymore. I, I get nervous sometimes, though, still, and so I, I get why people get a little nervous about it. I I, I empathize significantly but we've got to do better and yeah if anyone was to do better just ask a kid a young person about some of these things I mean my daughter will be like mom racism does not make sense
0: kids know it man implicitly
1: and we talked about slavery and I think people's big concern about being real about what really happened not just the bullshit in our textbooks is exactly that white kids are going to feel shame and instead Shane just said mom, it was not fair. They didn't get paid. That just, yeah. it should be paid for their work. And it's like, bingo, like yeah. the central part of the narrative kids understand and they lock in on and it, they know that now then they can be a part of creating positive change. They're not going to be tunnel vision later in life. Yeah. Like yeah. our generation. <laughs> oh my
0: <laughs> gosh. And I think about my daughter's 11. She is so far ahead of where I was yep. at that yep. time. And What's is also makes it so interesting of like I mean, you probably saw this where like I guess Congress would they enshrined the bill about same sex marriage and interracial. Mm-hmm. Marriage. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe we're still doing talking about this shit. With
1: allowing interracial marriage, only ninety four percent of people agree with it. It's like, who <laughs> are these six? Who's the six
0: percent of 6% people? Like,
1: do I know these people? Oh no. It's so-
0: <laughs> I'm in interracial marriage and I'm just like, I can't believe that, like, I'm in this and I can't believe there's they're talking about this. Like, why are we talking about this? <laughs> like, like,
1: 1954 all over again. We have to
0: protect this. Why? Do, I thought this was we were all good. Like, like Not
1: with this the Supreme fact Court. that
0: there's and the fact that there were several people who opposed it, who opposed it.
1: On Only record. 12
0: people. Republicans actually. Uh, I think senators actually were for it. That tells you a whole shitload of people were like, no, that's crazy.
1: <laughs> well, young people, if they continue to show up, right, and vote, yes. we know that they're voting. And this is why school board thing is happening all over the country. Yeah. We're so afraid of these young people changing afraid their minds and swinging these districts. And I mean, we saw it. Young people voted. And more so than our generation did, because I think we kind of took it for granted. Other than like the presidential elections, I didn't really pay much attention. And now we know when you don't pay attention, things get out of whack really quickly. Yeah, I'm thankful for young people because I think they'll hold these, uh, hold Congress more accountable in the future with their votes.
0: Kind of reminds me of back, I mean, as a Gen Xer, I love being a Gen Xer, man. And it reminds me of like Public Enemy's album, Fear of a Black Planet which I love that album, but it had a lot of sociopolitical tones to the album. And it feels like now it's like fear of young people, of a planet inhabited by young people who are like, this will not fly. We will not deal with these dinosaur mentality, this mentality. This is gone. And I think the other fear maybe is that we know for this probably true that in America, the demographic of the majority will be changing within the next 30 to 40 years that white people will no longer be the majority population. Mm-hmm. I, my, my thing is I fear that there's probably a subset of white people who are very afraid of that. Yep. And this yep. is where the, we will not be replaced and all these things come from. And I, my, my thing is like, you should not worry about that. <laughs> like this has nothing to do with that. Like these are unfounded fears. They're never going to come to fruition the way you think it is. It's just not.
1: I mean, I can't tell you how many times I hear that from people about, like, it's a scary time for white men. Yeah. And I'm always like, hmm, how so? Last time I checked, still, most of the wealth, most of the power, most of the privilege concentrated in their hands. What are they afraid of exactly? Well, they're going to take their jobs. They're going to, you know, it's like, these are unfounded fears. And when we have that zero-sum game mentality, which... Capitalist societies very much operate that way. You win, yeah. I lose, and that's just not how this game gets played. Yeah, it, the the trend that I am most optimistic about is multicultural. So it's not even biracial; it's multiracial. Um, all sorts of ethnicities and races coming together. You know, we have this amazing melting pot that's getting you know more melted together. yeah <laughs> I was saying that. yeah but these a lot of kids, melting you can't be like white or white like i mean yes you can but increasingly so it's like well i'm a little bit of this i'm a little bit of this I'm yeah a little bit of this. and so just like the gender being a spectrum when we start to see race as a spectrum yeah. then it's a lot harder to do an us versus them right well yeah what if there's an us together and and this is what you see the divide and conquer strategy happens white people against all ethnicities you know men against all, right, whatever and instead of us fighting up we're fighting each other yeah and, you know women have to be either this or that and you know white women especially have been a big problem with racial um, issues it's like well, this isn't a this isn't neither either or, this is a both and. Like, why wouldn't we support our sisters of color in the same yeah. way we would other white women, but haven't done a great job with that. And I really think the more we focus up, not necessarily on you know, upheaving systems, but the more we focus on patriarchy, white supremacy, these systems that yeah. keep everybody down, the more we'll all be better together anyway. And the more happier we'll be. I mean, the suicide rate, white men is extremely high so like this clearly isn't working for them either. No it's not
0: no I actually think a lot of this is the I always think about it as I know like I'll talk to people and they'll be like man you're just so down about all this stuff you know but I said but you ever like seen the last gasp of something before when something Mm -hmm. at its end that's when it's its most violent because That's when it is most violent because Mm -hmm. the end is near for that. Now I always tell people that I said, you're seeing a lot of scratching and clawing from an, from an old ideology and mentality because it's going to be over at some point, the version, this version of this video game is going to be over at some point. You are much closer to the end than the beginning of all these atrocities. Mm -hmm. And that's what I take hope in it. But, but, it, it, progress is not linear man it's just not and when yeah. things about to kick the bucket man it doesn't want to be deleted the system does not want to be deleted it yeah. wants to live and so we become violent towards the end to try to re- remain relevant you know for that that's what's happening right now in my opinion is there's, there's still a lot of power concentrated in your typical patriarchy based things but i Maybe I won't be alive for this, but I don't think we'll see that in, in the future, like that hundred years. hundred. I don't think you're going to see that. I really don't.
1: It's kind of like the last stand.
0: It's the last know? stand, right?
1: Like, what have I got to lose?
0: You shoot all the bullets in the last stand. You don't like save bullets. <laughs>
1: like you, know, you don't relinquish your power. No, right? you don't who surrender? voluntarily
0: relinquishes their power? You know what? I've had a good run. I mean, we see this. And in, in, in a much smaller context, and, you know, people have been successful in celebrity or let's say sports, it's very hard to leave something that's seductive and fairly easy for you to be ahead all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, when's the end coming? Yeah. And most yeah. of the time, the person never knows when the end is. They stay too long. They overstay their welcome. You know, mm-hmm. you yeah. don't have to leave, but you got you can't stay here. You know, <laughs> like, like, like.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I've acknowledged that in the work I do because it changes so rapidly and I'm 40 years old. So I'm kind of the middle yeah. part of my career, but I don't think I'm going to be relevant in 10, 15 years. I actually mm. hope I'm not. Mm. Like, I hope things change more quickly than I can. And I hope the next generation moves that the problems are so vastly different that I can help support them instead of make it about me because that's not what success looks like for me. It's not about me. It's about creating a world that's better for everybody else. And so I actually hope when I have more power that I can share it. And this is something that we find a lot in women-led communities. Like we know that when you give women money, they share it with their community Mm -hmm. much more so.
0: Yes. Actually, there's a lot of data for this. And also that when we educate women and we spend a lot of time on educating women, that society exponentially gets better when women are educated and when underrepresented uh, populations are educated. We know this. (laughs) This is a factual thing. It's It's like everyone. It helps other people. So it's like the data the data is out there. I think observationally we see it. They were just in the final throws. I really feel like it. I love being alive in this time because I'm seeing something that a lot of other people worked for a long time ago. As like Dr. Singh said, he knew I may not be there when we, when we get to this point. He knew it, he knew it though. He, he had the force. I realized this is so big of an issue that you know I'm, I'm a big part of this, but I know I will never be there to see the end game for that. We actually may be closer to seeing the end game. In our time, may not happen, but I think we're close.
1: Our kids, our kids. I I think about Jane and the world I want for her a lot because you know, this is hard work, these are hard conversations, and to stay in this fight day in and day out is it's rough. And uh, you can only have so much self compassion to get you through some stuff that happens, and like it's going to be better for her. It has to most definitely. But for me, I may not see it. I mean, I just might it. realistically, like the equity forecasts are are pretty bleak. Um, it got a little worse, actually, as of yeah. late, like you said. it some steps It's not forward, linear. Some step back. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think um the first time I came across that concept, one of my, my very favorite anti-racism book of all time, Austin Channing Brown, wrote this book called I'm Still Here she writes this letter to her son. And it, and I mean, I have, I read it once. I don't even know if I have the courage to read it again. Cause yeah. I cried like a baby and she acknowledged that she's not going to see the fruits of her labor, but she hopes that he will. And it just resonated so deeply with me of yeah. Yeah. 30, 40 years or whatever yeah. I have time for on the planet. I'm going to see some good things, yeah, but, but Jane will really see it. And
2: yeah.
1: I'm, it, it gets you through the hard times I think it so does. to nice. think about the other concept. I just absolutely love. Um, I think it's Layla Saeed and her book um, about, oh, I'm going to get the name wrong, but I'll, I'll, it's the 28 days to being uh, anti-racist. I think or 20 anyway, but she talks about being a good ancestor. And I just love that concept too of like, mm. I want to be a good ancestor. And I think if we all embrace that more about, what world do I want for this next generation? And mm. how could I be a part of that, Helping create that while I am alive and handing that down to them? I think we'd have a totally different set of behaviors like this hoarding, this wealth, yeah. accumulation of excess and things. You know, I don't think we would do those things if we really took a step back and think about what do I want my legacy to be? How do I want to make the world a better place for this next generation? Yeah, So much more people ask themselves that question.
0: Yeah, and like I said, there are things like you're saying. There are things that are happening. It's uh, what is it? I think the it was a climate conference that they just had,
1: yeah. and
0: where uh, it was the twenty seventh one, and we're like basically very wealthy nations are going to start contributing financially to the global south. That's a big deal. They didn't get covered that much, of course, because everything's about crazy stuff all the time. But this is a huge step for humanity because one of the best ways to create more equity is to help people get out of poverty. Mm -hmm. Like we, this is something that has been around forever, but.
1: And the wealthy nations are the ones that cause the problem. They cause
0: the poverty. Right.
1: I mean, is it the U S and China and half of Europe are basically all of the emissions. Coming from yet. The poor countries that happen to be on the equator are absorbing all of the climate change issues. And so, they don't have the money, resources, or, and are the ones most adversely affected. So it's very much the right thing to do.
0: Right. It's like my whole, this is an integrity issue as well. And it's kind of like this, this casual integrity is killing me a little bit. This is the backwards of our linear, nonlinear process. It's like this casual integrity society, which is like, well, you know, I think this is the right thing to do, but if it hurts me, I'm not going to do it. And I feel like that's what some of our past leaders have exhibited. I will have integrity even when it may cost me something very big for that. I think we have to have a little more of that is, hey, this is probably not going to benefit me financially, may throw me back a little bit, but it's better for people for that. I don't see that enough. I feel like.
1: Well, and I don't know if it has to be huge, honestly. No, it doesn't. I mean, maybe just think about like, when you have enough money to pay your bills and live the kind of life you want, like what if there's an idea here that the excess that you had, you donated to a good cause or you contributed your labor with your free time towards good causes. Like, I don't think it has to be this like monumental gift that you have to do. I mean, the Patagonia story, I just was so
0: Yes, amazed
1: by you don't hear about somebody giving away their company to climate change every day. No, but I think you're going to see more of that because the consumer response to that was so powerful. This is why you should do it, of course. But thinking about noble purpose and what your end game is, your legacy is and how you could take baby steps to get there. I mean, it's just so exciting. That's so much better than like, all right, I got this big inheritance for my kids. (laughs) Like what the hell? Like, what does that matter?
0: Yeah. I mean, do you think about your legacy a lot?
1: We're starting a nonprofit. It has been a huge process, a big undertaking. I don't know what I'm doing and I'm learning every day, but figuring out a way to channel corporate profits to communities in need is something I'm really passionate about. And, you know, it's, 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 it's not necessarily about me, but it's finding a way to do good with the lucrative DEI industry, as long as it is lucrative, right? Yeah. I, I get paid quite a bit to speak and train in organizations and I have enough money to support my family yeah. in doing that. So the excess money, how could we use that to help other communities in need? and especially children. I mean, having this conversation with kiddos is so, so yeah. important. Like we will, move so much more quickly if these kids learn our real history if they engage with kids that are different from them from a young age they're not going to have the same biases towards people different from them we know exposure helps in education they have to be educated about differences so they can talk about them and not be shushed like our generation yeah. so You're i shushed. that's yeah i was like Shh, I remember that the wheelchair <laughs> like don't ask about the wheelchair it's like what is it a bad thing like i'm just i know curious. what's the
0: big deal like
1: It's just not helpful how I was raised and it took me a lot of learning and unlearning and reading a ton of books and listening to a lot of podcasts. And I've spent a lot of time re-educating myself and I still have so much more to learn. I don't want that for kids. I don't want them to have to do all of that extra work. I want them to just get it and start doing things. Um, And you're right. I mean, I'm very optimistic about the next generation, maybe, Maybe much more so than my generation. Yeah, <laughs> positive yeah. change. We got a little jaded and beaten down by the baby boomers. <laughs> we tried. We tried.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I often like think a legacy in like a very micro sense of it. Like I always think about how do I want my daughter and my wife to remember me. Yeah. And um, I, I like the large community things. I'm very into that too. Um, But I think on the very simplest thing, it's like, man, I hope they have a positive view of me when I'm gone, you know, and that I was someone that had integrity and really cared about people and tried to learn. I think about like, I think about being gone and what that means for other people. I think it's that's also I think something we avoid in our life. That's, I think it's important is about the end game. Like we won't be around, you know, none of us will be around. No. How do you want to live your life based off of knowing that you will not be around, you know, what's that like?
1: Well, thinking about your morale like mortality, exactly, I think it's really hard to think about for a long period of time. It's,
0: it's necessary because
1: your brain wants to like shut it off.
0: It does, right? It's quick. It's like no, no, we can't do. It. It's like thinking about the vastness of space and the universe. Yeah. It's daunting to think about it. So you Very go, big. nope. Let's pull back from this. I like to. I like to see that. I like to look at that stuff though. It's yeah. fascinating to me.
1: Yeah, you gotta stretch. I mean that's why the power of like meditation and other things can help you expand that Mm -hmm. and get beyond it. But it is scary thinking about like, I'm not gonna be here forever and what do I wanna how do I wanna be remembered? Yeah. And as somebody that I lost both my parents pretty early in life and my mom was everything to me. Yeah. And so when she passed, I remember for many years I was doing the corporate thing. She was like, actually I don't know why you went to business school.
2: Yeah.
1: Your purpose is to help women. I just know you're not meant to do this. Like whatever you're doing, I don't get it. It's like, yeah. no one makes money helping women. <laughs> <laughs> and this is me as a teenager, you know, yes, like of I, course. I think it was when I went to college Yeah, and then, you know, I try to make it work and I keep hearing like this voice in the back of my head, like Your purpose is bigger than this. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And, it was just really helpful that she had planted those seeds with me so I could see them. I'm very thankful for her legacy. Yeah, I've done a lot of research on grief and what grief teaches mm-hmm. us as human beings. We're, as animals, humans are like one of the only animals that can grieve for each other. So it has to be there for a reason. Mm-hmm. There's lessons to be learned and the meaning of her life for me is helping me to, live out my purpose for my girls and so what is that going to look like later right what is it going to look like for jane and for dylan and my stepdaughter i i don't know but it's exciting to think about
0: i mean think about this this is mind-blowing right you and i are having this conversation this conversation this video will exist beyond our time on this planet yeah some human is going to watch this when we're gone and i think about what did i say during Uh-oh. that time was it Uh-oh. was it something that i really meant like did i really believe in that did how did i conduct myself with was there, were these important conversations that were meaningful to me i literally think about these things like this like there's a future when you and i do not exist in it physically and someone's gonna say oh let me press that. What, what is that? What is this conversation about? Julie Kratz, <laughs> Darian Parker, diversity. What is this? You know, that's strange to me. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> like, it's like really it's real, crazy. Though. It's, it's real. real. It's gonna
0: happen, man. It's like, like.
1: And that's the thing. Things are archived at a much higher rate than they were. I don't right. have many. I have like an old VHS movie of yeah. my mom from like the 80s. Right. You know, I don't have anything good footage of her because Cell phones weren't good enough right. for video or even great picture taking back then, and yeah, it'll be very different when we very different move on. There's a slew of content.
0: Slew. I mean, you can make movies about people. <laughs> like I was telling my wife the other day, we were watching a documentary, and I said, "You realize documentaries of the future will be way easier to produce because there's so much content. People Life are footage. always filming themselves. They'll always have very current footage of that person." Everyone. You won't have to go, hey, go in the old attic and find that old recorder. Like let's see what's on there. It's just like go in the cloud, pop it, take it here. The stupid thing you put up here, it'd be like everywhere, like spewing your life everywhere. You know?
1: <laughs> it makes activism all so much easier. I mean, like, right. back to George Floyd, had we not gotten that right. video, like would people feel the same way if they didn't have to see it?
0: Right. Exactly
1: it makes reality much easier to depict it also brings in a flood of other perspectives so it muddies the waters a bit but it is interesting to think about that yeah i love to good documentaries you're right like there could be some a ton there's so much content to be so cultivated
0: you can almost produce it instantly because you don't even have to wait for it it's just there and it's like, wow, these future documentaries are going to be like wild because it'll be like literally right up to the time, <laughs> you know, I'm like it's just there. Yeah. And I see some of this stuff now. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of footage, like mm-hmm. a crazy amount of footage. Why did this person have so much footage of their life? That'll be everybody. Most people. Right. right. Oh, OK, you know, <laughs> I mean, somebody could splice together all of my podcasts in the future. Yep just me talking to people. They could totally do that. (laughs) So much of it, you
1: know? Oh, wow. The highlight reel. Yeah. Just, uh, Oh,
0: there's Julie. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's awesome.
0: She's in an airport, you know, it's, (laughs) it's it's a delay, the whole thing.
1: Hopefully, hopefully I get out
0: of here. You're going to get out (laughs) of there. You're not going to be stuck in an airport like, uh, What's it? Uh, oh, my gosh. The show on HBO Max um, Station 11, I think, I don't know where the world ends with a big flu pandemic and these people get stuck in an airport for like 20 years living there and stuff. This will not be you. I mean, I don't think so.
1: <laughs> like, Thank you. Thank you. The, I don't want to be really fish. grim
0: about it, but I'm not saying there is a world where that's possible. I mean, that's like. I don't want that. <laughs> I hope, I know you don't want it. It doesn't look like you want to be there a long time. But
1: but it's, it's always nice to fill in gaps in your day with like really good conversations. Yeah. Like this. this
0: has been awesome, right? Come on. It's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, very yeah. thought provoking questions. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, of course. I think it all started with, you know, our first conversation. And I knew I said, this is going to be a very good conversation. The next one's going to be really awesome. It's going to be amazing. So thanks for, thanks for giving me some time while you're in transit. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on and thanks for being so authentic and real and just letting me share. Uh, And uh, thanks for sharing your story too. It's very cool to know you.
0: And I feel the same way. So uh, how can people check out your diversity point and your podcasts and everything Julie? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's super easy, uh, nextpivotpoint.com. And we've got really cool free resources on there. So a lot of the books and stuff I mentioned, um, there's a resources page where you can easily download um, a guide. Uh, So check that out, nextpivotpoint.com. And then that's all our social handles too, nextpivotpoint. And then LinkedIn, Julie Kratz, K-R-A-T-Z. Um, I post every day, sometimes stuff that stirs a controversy, sometimes yeah. it's just a news article, but um, yeah. I'd love to be connected and follow me there as well.
0: Wonderful. This will definitely be posted on LinkedIn and we're going to pivot from this conversation until the next time. Yeah.
1: Thanks, Thanks so much for having me on.
0: Thank you.